This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press. My name is Mike Luciano. You may notice that uh, Justin T. Freed, he is not here right now, and that is because he is cooking up a very special project that required some travel, required some time with in areas where there's not great cell service, so was not available to pod today, but I swear to you that he is going to be back as soon as possible, and it is going to be worth it because he is cooking up something really, really special and I can't wait for you guys to see it because it was really exciting when he told me about it. So uh, that'll probably be up around on one of the fansided.com sites at some point. But until then, I am here. Mike Luciano is here. We got you covered for all the Jets news this week, of which there was plenty ahead of what is expected to be, honestly, a blowout at the hands of the Philadelphia Eagles. But then again, so was the Kansas City Chiefs game. So you never know in this wild, crazy NFL where there's trap games every week, who knows what will happen. But before we get into all of that, the Elijah Vera Tucker news, the Miko Hardman news, the Leo Collins dalliance that the Jets are undertaking, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We're on all those sites and YouTube and TikTok, both of them at the Jet Press. Make sure you subscribe there. Make sure you follow on TikTok and make sure you leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Again, not for egotistical reasons, it's just to drive us up those review charts so let's get it cracking right now but first i have a little message for you guys from our friends our wonderful friends over at DraftKings, DraftKings sportsbook jet press listeners because did you know that DraftKings is running a new promotion that you don't want to miss new users can place a five dollar first bet and instantly claim 200 bucks in bonus bets you'll also be rewarded with a separate no sweat single game parlay every single day when you opt in all you have to do is sign up with our code FSBETS, that is F-S-B-E-T-S. Using the code not only gets you the bonuses, but it directly supports the podcast. So if you want to choose to show your support that way, that's how you could do it. We would be very grateful and very appreciative. Every dime you give us, is thank you guys so much for that. So make sure you use the code F-S-B-E-T-S, and you can maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And as Brian says in chat, uh, he's, Justin's going to be upset when news breaks during this show. Well, news did break about 24 hours before this show, and it was the news that we're all dreading because being a Jets fan, you can have nice things occasionally, and then here comes the fingers of the football gods to say, no, you don't get that. Because now Elijah Vera Tucker, for the second year in a row, is out early before the halfway point of the season. And the second year in a row, he suffered an injury in Denver. So that house of horrors has once again claimed Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, last year, it was a torn pec. And this year, it is a torn Achilles, which is just about the worst injury you can suffer at any position, let alone 
an offensive lineman with how much your game is in your legs and your ankles and how bendy and how flexible and how powerful you can be. It's just about the worst case scenario. And at the risk of being too much of a doom and gloom guy, because the Jets did win and things are looking okay and the offense is playing hot, it's really hard to uh, – sorry, it was a torn triceps. I, I apologize uh, instead of a torn pec. But torn triceps or torn killers, whatever it is, Elijah Vera Tucker's done again. And it's really tough to undersell what he meant to this team because with all the offensive line questions that were circling around this team, how's Dwayne Brown going to do in his old age? Is Mekhi Becton healthy? What's Joe Tittman's role going to be? Is he going to supersede Connor McGovern eventually? Is Lincoln Tomlinson going to have a bounce back season? All of that was floating out there. But the one constant that the Jets had was that Elijah Vera Tucker was going to be really good. And he was. I honestly don't think he was as dominant as he was at points last year, but he had some really tough matchups. Buffalo's got a great front seven. Dallas has a great front seven. New England certainly can be very tough on defense. Even Kansas City with some of the guys they got over there. I know he didn't go up against Chris Jones directly, but I like some of the pass rushers that they have over with the Chiefs. Tough matchups, and he still looked pretty good at both guard and tackle, which is the second year in a row that injuries have forced him to shift around. And he really has become one of the more underrated players. I know that that's a common refrain for Jets fans because it seems like everybody who is good on the Jets can be underrated nationally, but... Vera Tucker, how many guys in this league go from guard to tackle as seamlessly as he does and perform this well? Very few, if any, in the last couple of years have been that good at two different spots. And then now he's done with an Achilles. And the worst part of it for Elijah Vera Tucker, I just feel awful for Vera Tucker because this is now, now it's really going to affect his contract value because we know Elijah Vera Tucker is very good. The Jets know it. Defenders know it. The league knows it. Executives know it. But now here comes that durability question. That's now two years in a row where he hasn't played half a year because of serious injuries. And as we're wondering what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, what he's going to look like back from his Achilles injury with his advanced age, he's going to be able to move around the same. He's going to get the same oomph on some of his throws. Vera Tucker might be more concerning if we're, if we're being honest, unfortunately, because as an offensive lineman, being able to quickly move your feet, being able to plant and drive and have a strong anchor and pass protection, that's so much of your game. It's I really don't know what the future holds for Elijah Vera Tucker. I'm just crushed for him. This is just cruel for him. A guy who's worked his way back from injuries before. He's become a leader on this team, said and done all the right things. He's gone. And it leaves the Jets with a gigantic hole that I don't know if their roster is properly equipped to fill. And there's a couple different ways that they can attack this. I think there's really three main schools of thought here, one of which is to just roll with the status quo, which is Mekhi Becton at left tackle, where he actually has played okay in the last couple of weeks. I know the first half against Denver got off to kind of a slow start, but and that's been common for the Jets. But once Mekhi gets kind of rolling, he's looked okay. And then slide in probably Max Mitchell at right tackle. And Max Mitchell... I thought in a, for a rookie year, it was a fourth-round rookie swing tackle. There was a lot to like last year. It came from a smaller school at Louisiana. Used to be Louisiana Lafayette, go Raging Cajuns. Comes right into the NFL, and of course he was giving up some sacks, but I thought generally, given the situation, not that bad. Then he comes out in the preseason this year, and he just laid an egg. He was It was tough to watch. 
But now here he is again because Carter Warren is still banged up with injuries and they probably don't want to throw him right into the furnace with how much he just has to learn about an NFL offense and being on an NFL team that he's probably missed because of his injuries. So because of that, Mitchell seems like the most likely option and played okay against Denver. No real big complaints that we play against Denver. But again, Denver has, you can make a case, the worst pass rush and the worst front seven probably in the league. So if there was any game for an offensive lineman to come in and perform pretty well, it was that one. And he did it. Can't can't complain about that. He did it. But I have my doubts against teams like the Philadelphia Eagles, who they have to play this week. Later, they got to go play a very tough uh, Atlanta defense later in the year. You get Buffalo again. You get Miami twice. You get uh, New England, who's probably, even if the offense is going to be bad, I still think the defense is very tough. These are not cakewalk matchups. This is going to be tough. And the Jets may just have to ride it out. They may just have to ride it out with Max Mitchell. Now, if Max Mitchell falters, the other option in terms of just keeping things internally seems to be Makai Becton back to right tackle and then Dwayne Brown back at left tackle whenever it is that Dwayne Brown is healthy. And that to me, honestly, I'm not moved either way. I'm kind of fine with both of those options, even though they're not great. I don't really have a preference one way or the other, mainly because I have as many concerns surrounding Dwayne Brown as I do with Max Mitchell for different reasons. Max Mitchell, of course, the inexperience. He's a little light in the ass for an offensive lineman. I would like to see him get a little bit stronger. His whole game seems to be a lot more being athletic. Doesn't really have a great anchor in pass protection, and I think that got exposed a little bit. But Dwayne Brown is the opposite. He might be too old. Guy's 38. Father time, man, undefeated. He gets to everybody. Might have gotten Dwayne Brown at this point, who again got hurt. He looked horrible when he played. I mean, I, Micah Parsons, yeah, but got, guys can play Micah Parsons at an advanced stage and not look like they don't even belong in an NFL field. Dwayne Brown didn't look like he belonged on an NFL field. So that's going to be a tough call to make. I don't know if – I think Mitchell probably has the edge. If you had to ask me right now, it's going to be Max Mitchell at right tackle and Mekhi Becton sticking at left tackle. If Mostly just for Mekhi. They probably don't want to switch him around too much. Tough scene, but that's what the Jets got internally. They they didn't – I didn't love their offensive line depth coming into the year. I know nobody has great offensive line depth in the NFL. It's hard to get 10 guys who can all play well in the offensive line in the NFL, but – this is this is what you get them for, and now the Jets' limits, I think, are really going to be shown as an offense here because they got a very tough Eagles defense coming up, and they got the most skittish quarterback in the league in Zach Wilson, and now they got Josh Sweat and Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis going up against Max Mitchell instead of Elijah Vera Tucker. I am I am not looking forward to it. The third option is to sign a free agent. And Lyle Collins has been the hot name. He's visited with both the Jets and the Giants, although the Giants just signed Yadni Kajus. Uh, apologies, I'm getting your name wrong, but they just signed him to the practice squad, former West Virginia Mountaineer who used to play for the Patriots. So Collins is admittedly one of the best guys out there on the free agent market. Veteran lineman, played on some good playoff teams. He has experience at both tackle spots. I think mostly in college, he's a left tackle at LSU. He's played a lot of right tackle in the pros, but he's got that versatility. So it makes a lot of sense for the Jets. You're like, yeah, let's get Lyle Collins. That's a perfect band aid. 
Well, if he's available right now, and you look at the state of offensive lines around the league, which offensive line play, in my opinion, has never been worse because with the new CBA, with how guys are getting coached in college, with how much limited time you get in practice, the the good offensive linemen are disappearing. There's very few at every position now, and it's getting smaller every year. So with that being the state of the offensive lines in the NFL, Collins is just sitting out there and really didn't have a huge market before now week six. That would concern me. And I get the Jets fans being optimistic about Lyle Collins because he has some pedigree. He's an undrafted free agent, but that was because he had a legal case surrounding him. I mean, he was regarded as like a top 20 pick when he came out of LSU. And with the Cowboys early on, he played like a top 10 pick. He had the one year he lost to injury, but other than that, a consistent starter. I believe he missed one game in a three-year span from 2017 to 2019. Then all of 2020 gone. All 2020 gone. 2021, he comes back. He gets moved to the bench. He's not really the same. The Bengals still give him a three-year contract. And then he played so poorly, so wretched, so hard to watch that the Bengals, who have an equally bad offensive line as the Jets, some may even say worse, and it got Joe Burrow's leg snapped like a pretzel in his rookie year, and it got his calf hurt this year, and probably the main reason they didn't beat the Chiefs last year and go to the Super Bowl again for the second straight year. That Bengals team said, we're going to lay out Collins. That, to me, sets off some alarm bells. Or at least it did. So I went back and I watched Lyle Collins' uh, film from his last year with the Cowboys and uh, his only year with the Bengals. And I'm going to be honest. If the Jets get 2022 Lyle Collins, he may as well be wearing a blue 73 jersey with Evan Neal's name on the back. I mean, that was brutal to watch getting pushed around, blowing assignments, looking slow. Even rookies were playing very well against Lael Collins. He didn't look like a veteran offensive lineman at all. It was tough to watch. It was really really tough. Now, the Dallas film, a little bit better, still not great. And I don't really think good enough where if Lael Collins signs, a Jets Jets fan should be thinking, woo-wee, offensive line solved. Leo Collins, guys, let's go. There was a lot of mistakes on the film. The Leo Collins that people remember, I think, from the Cowboys, because I think he's a, a bigger brand name right now for offensive linemen. I don't know if that guy's coming back right now. So if you're b- banking on him being an upgrade over Mitchell, I could see it possibly working. There's a small, small, small chance. The floor is much lower than Max Mitchell. Like, I, I, I'm serious about that. I'm not even, like, a big Max Mitchell uh, fan here. But they, they got to be honest about Lyle Collins. Now, can they maybe trade for somebody? I mean, there are some names out there, but again, with the offensive line scarcity being what it is right now, I don't really see that happening. I see a Jets team that just moved off a lot of capital to get guys like Aaron Rodgers in. I don't see them giving up even more capital for – a pretty short-term fix like this in Lyle Collins. Now, maybe, just maybe, they can get him back to his old form because he has been hurt, and it might just be an issue of he was playing hurt and he was trying to get back to his old self. Now, if that happens, 
Then you can keep Makai at left tackle. And then you still got the interior that I thought played really well and run blocked very well. And this is going to be a run blocking offense or run block, a run heavy offense rather, because Brees Hall is the guy. He's the playmaker. He's the home run hitter. He's going to touch the ball probably 20 times a game at minimum after how well he played against Denver and kind of what Zach Wilson is. And Collins actually graded out as a pretty good run blocker his last two years. That's where he kind of excelled, both with Dallas and Cincinnati. So if they're just saying we want the best run blocker available and we'll take our lumps and pass pro because we're going to be a run-heavy team, I wouldn't love it, but I could be sold on it to a degree. Then you get to lay out Collins as a pass protector. And there's a reason Dallas didn't want to pay him all that money. There's a reason Cincinnati got rid of him, even though Cincinnati paid a lot of money for him on a big three-year deal earlier. And his flaws and his foibles really start to show. So are they going to be okay with that? Because I know they got the buy coming up, but and he's not going to play against the Eagles even if they do sign him. But we'll get a nice intro game, I think, against the Giants where he can kind of ease his way in. But just looking at the Jets' schedule after that, there's a lot of good pass rushers. Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa in the Chargers. Max Crosby in the Raiders. Buffalo's got a bunch of guys. Miami, the overall defense isn't great, but I feel like they're eventually going to hit their stride. Falcons are really shutting guys down. Texans have Will Anderson, rookie stud. A lot of these guys beat Lael Collins in the past, and they do it again with the Jets. I don't see why not. So things are not looking very good, I think, on the offensive line right now. There's no perfect solution, but this is what they got. And they're making lemonade with the lemons they're given. Will it taste good? Probably not. They're probably making just regular, this tastes like store brand. It's not going to taste like anything amazing, but. God, Elijah Vera Tucker, the downgrade from Tucker to Max Mitchell and Lael Collins. It's, it's, it's again, it's here we go again. That's been my frustration with this year, and I think a lot of Justin's frustrations with this year. It's just here we go again. We thought everything would be different, that we wouldn't be moving Elijah Vera Tucker around, playing around Elijah Vera Tucker injuries. We have Aaron Rodgers talk instead of Zach Wilson talk, which is a completely different conversation, and yet, here we are again, another Elijah Vera Tucker injury and another Zach Wilson stock watch. So it sucks. It really sucks. You know what else sucks, at least in my humble estimation, is the wide receiver room because they have unrealized potential sitting on their bench right now. And they're about to get rid of it before they ever have a chance to really realize it. When they signed Miko Hardman, you can go back and watch uh, the Jet Press episode where we discussed that because that was the same day Elijah Moore got traded to the Browns. And we were we were pretty okay with it. I mean, we knew that another move was coming, so that would be Lazard. We thought at the time that Miko Hardman, Alan Lazard, and Garrett Wilson, we thought those were the top three guys. And we had mixed opinions on the room as a whole, but we just assumed those would be the top three guys. Because we thought Corey Davis could be a cap casualty. He wasn't. Now he retired. We didn't know he would retire. But they kept him. We thought Randall Cobb was just like a chief vibes officer with Aaron Rodgers just basically giving his buddy another job. And here he is playing number three snaps. We thought Xavier Gibson and Jason Brownlee and Malik Taylor would be 
fighting for roster spots. And then now here comes Xavier Gibson taking over Miko Hardman. Signs a one-year deal. I believe we're up like past $5 million on max value. I don't have the exact numbers up in front of me. But Miko Hardman, I thought, could be a great fit in this offense because as good as Garrett Wilson is, and he is terrific, I know part of it's the limitation they've had at quarterback, but they haven't really used Garrett Wilson as like a streak down the field, big play guy. It's been a lot of get him the ball quick and let him, after the catch, make something happen. Let his superior route running on short and intermediate routes kind of take over. It's not like go run 40 yards and we'll chuck it to you. Miko Hardman, through all of his faults as a receiver with the Chiefs, gave them that speed. Now, he's not Tyreek Hill fast, and he's not Tyreek Hill good. But that speed was a weapon you had to worry about. He was a tremendous returner, and he won a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. And last year, I thought he was having a pretty solid year, and then he gets hurt, so you never really get to see him at his full potential. So he signs with the Jets with the promise of a bigger role. They even told him, we're going to give you a bigger role. That was the, the drum they were beating the whole time. He's gotten, what, 10, 12 snaps the entire year on offense? Just one catch, and that came in the Dallas game when they were just you know, throwing the ball at the end after they were down 30 to three or whatever, 30 to 10. And he came in in garbage time and got one catch. That's been it. That's been completely it. Now, the excuse they've used has been uh, Xavier Gibson. Because Xavier Gibson, after a lot of crying and poking and prodding from Jets fans, finally got on the field more. Because I think Nathaniel Hackett finally listened to people and realized, you know what? I need an element of speed. I need somebody that I can go in motion and the defense has to worry about. I need someone with some verticality. Somebody that can just take the top off. Now, I thought that would be Hardman. They've gone with Gibson, and Hardman has since been relegated to inactive duty. Here's my question for Nathaniel Hackett, who's proven to be a very, very stubborn coach for a guy who doesn't have a very good offense. There's a lot of, this is the way we play. This is the guys we play. These are the plays we run. Deal with it. Only when Zach Wilson looked unplayable in that New England game, did he realize, all right, maybe I got to change some shit up. That's what it takes to really beat it into this guy's skull that sometimes you need to try something different offensively. So then finally, in the Kansas City game, he has a guy going in motion. He has a guy getting jet sweep end arounds. He has a guy using his speed, even if it's just clearing out, even if it's just making sure the defense has to account for that right over the top. Finally has somebody doing it, and it's Xavier Gibson. Not Miko Hardman. Now, Gibson's been okay, I think. I really do think Gibson's been okay for an undrafted player. I know he had that muff punt uh, in the Denver game, which is bad. But, you know, he had the punt return touchdown in the Buffalo game. And I thought that when he's been given the ball, he's looked kind of jittery, hard to tackle. I, I like what Xavier Gibson's brought to the table. My question for Hackett, why can't you put both of them on the field at the same time? Why can't you put Hardman in the slot instead of Randall Cobb or Gibson instead of Randall Cobb and then use the other one in the jet sweep motion role. What's so hard about that? I know they're not great blockers. Is Randall Cobb the mo- such an amazing blocker as a wide receiver? Such an amazing guy that he has to go play close to half the snaps in most of these games, even though he only has three catches in five games. He's not providing you with anything. 
Now, Hardman isn't either, but you're not giving him a chance. If you put him out there for 60 snaps and he can't get open and he's got one catch and he had a bad drop, which he had a little bit with the Chiefs, he had some drop issues. Then at least you know, all right, we thought we were going to get a guy who was underutilizing Kansas City. We're going to give him a role as a speed guy, and we're going to see what happens. They're not doing that. They're just straight up not doing that. They're letting him rot on the bench and giving weird excuses about why they're not playing him. I remember before the, I remember before the, I think it was the Kansas City game or even the New England game, and they were asking him about uh, the lack of him being Hackett, about the lack of Nico Hardman. And Jeremy Ruckert specifically. I know Ruckert's got out there a little bit more, and he's looked pretty good when he's been out there. But I remember Hackett said, well, we're not getting enough third down conversions, so he's not getting in. He's been having enough plays. I have never. I know I'm a younger guy. It's probably happened before You know, older Jets fans pull me in. Have you ever heard an offensive coordinator use lack of plays and lack of third down conversions as a reason to not play somebody? Like as Rory Coyle here in chat says, uh, I would put, uh, I was thinking the same thing. Put both out there. Belichick would. I mean, Belichick has his own problems offensively, but I feel like other coaches in the league would at least try. They're not even trying. And now here comes all the trade rumors surrounding Mecole Hardman, and they've the Jets have kind of screwed themselves with this because now Mecole Hardman. His value is as low as I think it's ever going to be in the NFL. If they got, if he had even just average production, if he had, I don't know, Alan Lazard's production instead of Alan Lazard, and they just want to get rid of him, you could, you could see something for that. He's got speed, he's experienced, he's won a championship, he offers return versatility. Maybe they'll slide you like a later pick, something beyond just like a, you know, a late sixth or seventh, maybe like a fourth or something like that which has some value. You can get good guys there. Instead, they've let him rot away on the bench, given a bunch of vague explanations that don't make sense. Because another thing, too, if this offense was top five in the league, you're like, all right, Miko Hardman just doesn't work. Fine, offense is rolling. This offense is not very good. Reese Hall is very good. The offense is not very good. And they just don't even try it. Now, I remember reading something that said Miko Harbin's not picking up the offense. Oh, well, but again, just at, at least there have got to be a couple plays he knows. You got to get him on a jet sweep. That translates to every offense. Get him on a sweep, have him run go routes, have him just run crossing routes over the middle where guys can't cover him. Like, at least try. Again, as Rory says uh, in chat, the Jets offense, he calls it very vanilla and not innovative. And I would agree on that. Now, Robert Sala's defense, I don't think, is particularly innovative schematically, but he set up something where they don't run a ton of crazy concepts. They do a couple core things very well, and they run it over and over and over again and just beat you down. Nathaniel Hackett, I think, wants to do that. He wants to just run Brees Hall at you over and over and over again until you prove you can stop. And he wants Zach Wilson to throw a couple very executable concepts until teams prove they could stop it. Well, teams are stopping it. So you got to innovate. And I'm not one of those guys who 
oh, you have to hire an offensive coach. I think that's a load of crap. D'Amico Ryan's is doing a great job. Mike Tomlin is doing an amazing job, and he has been for almost 20 years now. Like You hire good coaches wherever they are. You think if a guy like, I don't know, Mike McDaniel or Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or even one of the LaFleur brothers, Mike with the Rams as the offensive coordinator or Matt and Green Bay, you think if they had a guy like Nico Harbin and the offense was struggling, they wouldn't at least try something? I think they would. I think this is just a weird rigidity that they have with certain things. And it's coming to roost with Nico Harbin. But it, it looks like he's on his way out. And if he's on his way out, this is a, a report from, I think, Dan Graziano of ESPN, who said that, yeah, he's basically been hearing that Hardman is, uh, he's been thrown in trade rumors, and he's looking at teams that pursued him in free agency, like uh, the Lions, the Vikings, the Browns. They all made a run at him in free agency. They wouldn't be surprised if they try to get him again for cheap in a trade. He also mentioned a return to Kansas City is possible, which I think could be make a lot of sense, especially after a lot of their receivers have been bad this year. It's just tough because I don't really see the value that they could get from Miko Harmon at this point. They've completely tanked his career, unfortunately. Like, what, what if you're a GM of another team and you need a receiver, what justification is there for Hardman? You haven't seen him really play well in over a year. Because the Jets have been hiding him on the bench. Because they want Randall Cobb and his three catches out on the field. This is not an anti-Xavier Gibson thing. This is an, at least try Miko Hardman. The, the, I know the playoffs are still alive. They're not looking good right now. The Jets are 2-3 and three and Zach Wilson is Zach Wilson. So you always got to accompany that. But this season is slipping away. Like Just empty the kitchen sink. Anything you got, all hands on deck. Try different things. Especially, I think this week, I thought honestly it would be the perfect week to try stuff out. It's Philadelphia. It's a really good team, but it's an aggressive defense. So aggressive that they've actually had problems, I think. Uh, they've had problems in pass defense this year. I don't think the secondary is as good as it used to be. This would be the perfect week to unleash Miko Harbin, but nope. Xavier Gibson or nothing. Deal with it. You don't like it? Tough crap. Weird stance for the Jets to take. If you had to ask me right now, will they get a trade done? I still think they might. I just don't think. It'll probably be like a conditional pick, like a sixth or a seventh. Maybe they swap late-round picks. I don't know. This this is not... I don't want to criticize a GM too much for one-year flyer deals. Because every GM takes one-year flyer deals, and a lot of them don't work out. But Joe Douglas, for all the good he's done with that amazing 2022 class and getting Aaron Rodgers and even finding Bryce Huff as an undrafted, he's had some big mistakes that are really coming to roost this year. On top of the fact he's missed on the Wilson pick, obviously. He's missed on offensive linemen, and now that's coming back to haunt him. But these three years, he had a chance to – this is before Corey Davis was retiring. He had a chance to cut Corey Davis, save a lot of cap room, he had a chance to cut Carl Lawson and save a ton of cap room. Now, Carl Lawson's been inactive in a couple games, so that contract's not looking very good either. And he could have spent that money on Miko Harmon much wiser. Maybe you get a backup tackle that's maybe has a higher ceiling than a Max Mitchell. Maybe you can get a wide receiver that Hackett actually puts out there instead of Randall Cobb or over Xavier Gibson. 
But instead, he's just got to waste away on the bench. And I know this is not going to totally impact the the season as a whole. It's not going to lose games because of Miko Hartman. It won't win games because of Miko Hartman. But the arrogance and the unwillingness, the rigidity, the unwillingness to try anything different for a team that and an offense that is not built up enough equity to be this stubborn, it, it just blows my mind. It just really blows my mind. So before we get to our final segment, which is a preview of the Jets-Eagles game, I just want to reiterate that we have a wonderful offer for you guys from our friends over at DraftKings. So DraftKings fans, did you know that they're running a new promotion that you don't want to miss? Because new users can place a $5 bet and instantly claim 200 bucks in bonus bets, and you'll get a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. All you got to do is use the code FSBETS. That is F-S-B-E-T-S. Not only do you get the bonuses with the code, but it supports the Jet Press podcast directly. So thank you for that. If you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use the code F-S-B-E-T-S to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Now, Eagles time. Philadelphia Eagles time, a team that I think has firmly established themselves to be the second best team in the NFL on paper. The San Francisco 49ers, as I said on the Stack in the Box Monday recap show that you guys should go check out. Really fun doing that. The 49ers are in a class all their own in the NFL. I mean, where are the weaknesses? If you're playing them, what do you exploit? There's nothing there. Every position has some strength to it. Maybe the kicker's not amazing. What the frickin' do? Philadelphia, the only other unbeaten team in the league, I think is number two. And it's clear to see why, because Jalen Hurts is still Jalen Hurts from last year. Jalen Hurts has won, I believe, 19 of his last 20 starts in the regular season. That's it. And he hasn't lost on a Sunday since 2021. His one loss was on Monday Night Football against the Washington Commanders. But Jalen Hurts is just absolutely bowling people over. The running game with Hurts and DeAndre Swift, a Philly native who is really, really balling after not playing much in the first game. They unleashed him, and he's been terrific in the, in the in this season. Wide receivers, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. I mean, outside of maybe Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, is there a better number one, number two in the league? I don't think so. That's going to be a lot tougher of a matchup for Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, who will be back this week. DJ Reed back from his concussion any best game against Denver, but still a tough matchup coming right back out. And that defense, that front seven, holy moly. Jalen Carter, again, we know why Jalen Carter fell. All the off-field things, the involvement in an incident where somebody lost their life, it's very concerning. And I... I don't think, and, and that's going to hang over Jalen Carter, I think, for until I get resolved for his whole career. But putting that to the side, purely football-wise, I mean, this guy, Aaron Donald's on the way down. I feel like we just found the succession plan to Aaron Donald. This kid is just ripping through offensive linemen already. And who's he playing next to? Jordan Davis, six foot four, three hundred forty pounds, and runs a four seven eight forty. I mean, that's stuff that 
that's stuff that sounds fake. When he ran that for you at the combine, I thought they made it up. I'm like, it, there's no way. There's no way. But he did. Philly is a team, because of those guys, I think, in particular, no, no team is going to match up well with Philly outside of San Francisco. But the Jets, in particular, I think, are a horrible matchup because the one thing they can do well offensively right now is run block. They're actually regarded as an above-average run-blocking offensive line by all the metrics. Now, pass blocking, totally different story. I think they're like in the high 20s with that. So not like deplorable, but certainly not what you want. Run blocking, they're very good. Joe Tittman, I think, has been a very good run blocker who comes from a team in Wisconsin where they ran the ball all the time. So I think that's obviously his area of expertise. Lake and Tomlinson against Denver, I thought had a phenomenal game going back to look at it. And then Conor McGovern's been solid again. And you can do that against Denver. And when Chris Jones is playing outside to get matched up with Becton like he was in the Kansas City game, you can do that against the Chiefs. We're on the ball a little bit. Philly, on the other hand, Jordan Davis, every single play is going to take two blockers. He's just that big and that strong and that fast and that good. And then you get Jalen Carter in one-on-ones, which is at this point like leaving a young Aaron Donald in a one-on-one. That's going to be a problem. This is going to be, we've all been singing Nathaniel Hackett's praises these last couple of weeks. I remember Justin calling him Nathaniel Shanahan on one of the, on the post-game reaction podcast uh, when they played the Chiefs. This might be a make-or-break game for him because it's easy to run the ball against the worst defense in the league and one of the worst defenses ever through five weeks. Easy to do that there. If he just tries something very vanilla and very basic against this Philly team, they're going to get absolutely stomped into the dirt. And it's going to be hard to watch. We need some creativity. We need some innovation. We need some trickery. And we need Brees Hall to play maybe the best game of his career. Sound easy enough? That's what we need. Now, in terms of Zach Wilson... I'm not expecting a ton for Zach Wilson in this game. Now, I know they're not asking him to do a lot. But again, Denver's defense was bad enough where they didn't have to ask him to do enough and they can let Brees Hall take over. In this game, not only are you going to be playing with a banged-up offensive line that doesn't have your best player in that group in Elijah Vera Tucker, but on top of that, you're going up against you know Josh Sweat and Carter and Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett and... Very Jets-like in terms of how deep they go and how they can just rotate guys in and out. This is going to be a challenge for Wilson because as we've seen in the New England game, and as we've seen, honestly, in the Dallas game too, I think before that kind of got out of hand, you can't just drop, take three-step drops and get it off quick. You can't be that conservative. Wilson's at his best, I think. When you let him rip it down the field a little bit. I thought those were his best throws against Denver. The Wilson deep shot to the left-hand side. And then the Conklin throw down the seam. I thought that's when Wilson's at his best. Not that he's some amazing deep ball thrower, but I think when he gets time and there's stuff open intermediately, that's when he's good. Now, the problem, and I think this is why Nathaniel Hackett can be scared a little bit, is he might be scared of that pass rush. Is the offensive line going to hold up? To which I would say, come out Chiefs-level guns blazing. Treat it like the Chiefs game. 
You're huge underdogs at home. Let it rip. I know it's going to be tough early on because the Jets typically start slow. And I know that you going into the game saying, all right, Zach, we know these guys are going to be coming at you, but just hang in there and take shots and throw it. That's not the most encouraging sign. But I don't want to go see another New England game plan from Hackett out of fear because he was scared against the Patriots. He, if he coaches scared against the Eagles, I am I am unchecking the offensive coordinator is, is solved box that I had checked after the Kansas City and Denver games. Because if that happens, I know what's going to happen because the Eagles are, again, a very Jets-like team. They fly to the ball in space. They don't ask. They don't blitz crazy amounts. They ask their defensive line to go make plays. And if you throw it short, they all gang tackle you. Zach Cunningham and Nick Morrow are both having resurgent seasons as linebackers. They're both playing very well. I think they're going to have pretty good games. Let Zach let, let it rip. It's going to be tough with the offensive line, but if you coach scared again, you're dead because this Eagles team is one of the best in the league that I've seen in years at spelling blood in the water. When they know that you can't beat them, they just pin their ears back and fly right at you. And it can be tough to watch. They just bury people like an avalanche. You can't have that happen. And I think there's a game plan to beating him because the Eagles are 5-0. and But if you look at the Eagles, I don't know if this is necessarily a 5-0, and most impressive 5-0 and team in the world. They played New England, who has been outscored 69-3 to in their last two games. And they only beat him 25-20 after going up, I think, like 18-0 early on. Mac Jones had 364 yards and three touchdowns. The Mac Jones who can't get the ball past midfield anymore. He played pretty well against them. Then they go uh, play the Vikings on Thursday night football at home. And Kirk Cousins throws 364 yards and four touchdowns. And it would have been a fifth had Justin Jefferson not fumbled at the one-yard line. Tampa Bay, all right, beat him up. Tampa Bay, I don't think this was ready for them. Washington, with Sam Howell, who just got trucked by the Bears on Thursday Night Football, needed overtime to beat him. They put up 31 points. Sam Howell had 290 yards and a touchdown. They ran the ball for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. Certainly not dominant. And then the Rams only scored 14 points, but they were in it the whole time. Matthew Stafford, excuse me, had 222 yards and two touchdowns. They had uh, just under 200 between Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua combined. I don't think this is just a complete wood chipper that's going to turn the Jets into a, a meaty paste by any stretch. And all those teams that hung with them came out firing. Came out firing on offense. So I get that it's tempting to lean on Brees. And they're going to have to if they want to stick in this game because I don't want Wilson. I don't come out firing, come out firing. Don't let Wilson throw 50 times. That's not a recipe for success either. But don't be afraid to let the arm talent, because that's all I hear about with the Zach Wilson defenders is the arm talent. Don't let that waste away in this game by just doing dump-offs. Where I'm afraid for the Jets, it's not even the receivers. Like, they'll make some plays because of how huge the target share is for both of them. Like, A.J. Brown is a really huge receiver at 225 pounds. With how small DJ Reed is and how skinny Sauce Gardner is, that might actually be a tough matchup. Devontae Smith is really coming into his own. He'd be a number one on pretty much all but like all but like five of the teams I think he'd be a number one. It's 
they're going to make some plays on offense. What I'm scared about is the running game for the Eagles because this is, I think, even though Swift, I don't think, is like a top five running back by any stretch, the way they run the ball is so hard to stop. And I think Jalen Hurts is the main reason for it. Like People don't know this about Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts, in terms of just being a running quarterback, I honestly would take him over everybody in the league except for Lamar. Like Lamar is just a unicorn who does his own thing. We've never seen anything like Lamar Jackson. But if you look at some of the other guys in recent history that have been good mobile quarterbacks, Cam Newton, Josh Allen, they don't really run like Hurt. I mean, Cam especially ran like like Jim Brown. Like he just had this old school fullbacky lower my helmet. I'm going to run like the fate of Western civilization depends on it and just plow people over. Wasn't great long term, but that's what he did. Josh Allen is a lot more just chaotic, runaway freight trainy stuff. Jalen Hurts has a good blend of the Lamar Jackson shiftiness, where he's very elusive, and then the power of those other two guys. I mean, for God's sakes, he could squat him with 600 pounds. His thighs are as big as my waist. It's a very unique challenge. And as we saw in that Denver game, it took. It took uh, actually in the Kansas City game too. It took Robert Sala longer than I thought it would for him to put the spy on both Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson in both those games. And the QB runs were killing them. Mahomes had that huge long scramble on third and twenty-two in the Chiefs game. Part of the reason they were moving the ball early in the Denver game was Russell Wilson using his legs because they just were not getting home on man blitzes. The quarterback runs have really torn the Jets apart, and now they get a master of quarterback runs. In Jalen Hurts. Now, Allen didn't really run all over him necessarily, but a lot of Josh Allen's runs, I, it feels like to me, I don't have like a stat on my hand to back this up. It feels more like chaos and let me go make a play. Let me make something out of nothing because I'm wildly talented, Josh Allen. Hurts, there's a lot more design stuff and it's very surgical with how he runs. It's very tough to stop. And you know, if they're getting in third and one, they're going to do that that push quarterback sneak, what do they call it, the brotherly shove, you know, that's coming. In the short yardage situation, that's going to be hard to stop. So psychologically, the Eagles know they could run the ball on almost anybody. And I like how Quinton Williams has played as both a pass rusher and a run defender, but I don't know if he's going to be enough by himself to stop this Eagles pass rush, especially against the best offensive line in the league. Like the Jets, I thought, really played well as a de- defensive line against Denver. It doesn't have a great offensive line, but Bryce Huff was in the backfield all the time. Jermaine Johnson, very good game as both a run defender, and he had that sack on Russell Wilson that was very timely. And then even some of the interior guys, Quentin Jefferson's been playing very well. I think he actually might lead the team in sacks right now, Quentin Jefferson. A little bit different against future Hall of Famer Jason Kelsey, who's still at the top of his game. Borderline... Like when he's healthy, he plays like a Hall of Famer, Lane Johnson, on the other side. You got Landon Dickerson, who I think is going to be in the Pro Bowl this year, left guard. Jordan Mailata, who I think is going to be in the Pro Bowl this year, left tackle. And even right guard, it was Cam Jurgens. Then they put Sua Opeta, who's their backup in. Last week against Aaron Donald, you barely heard Aaron Donald's name in that game. With Jeff Stoutland, who's the best coach this side of Dante Scarnecchia coaching the offensive line. That's it's going to be really tough to get home. It's going to be really tough to stop the run against the Eagles, and that's what they want to do is run the ball a lot. So I say all that to say the Jets 
might be able to stay in this game. I think they will. I think they'll put up a fight early. I think Wilson will take advantage of a secondary that is not particularly great, that's missing guys, that is leaning on Darius Slay, who's looking a little older right now. Maybe he'll get a big chunk play. Maybe he'll go into halftime and it's like, you know, 10 to 14 or something like that, or 13 to 17. I find it hard to think for four quarters, a Jets team with some very obvious deficiencies in areas the Eagles are primed to exploit are going to beat the Eagles. So if you ask me for a prediction right now off the top of my head, I think I'd probably say Eagles 30, which sounds tough, Jets 17. 30 points, really? Well, I think, honestly, the second half, I have this bad, trepidatious feeling in my bones right now that the second half is going to be kind of a slog, very New Englandy, and that the defense being on the field a lot is going to be unable to stop the Eagles running game. I hope I'm proven wrong. I've been proven wrong before this year. I, I know I picked Kansas City to win, but I didn't think that game would be remotely close, and they shut me up. But to beat the Eagles, which only one team has done in the regular season in the last two years with Jalen Hurts, a quarterback, you're going to have to control the line of scrimmage. And as you mentioned earlier, they just lost their best line of scrimmage controller in Elijah Vera Tucker. And now you got to go up against the best O-line in the business. So not looking good for the Jets. But at least the buy's coming up. And you know what? Maybe it's a trap game for the Eagles. We certainly have seen crazier things happen. Maybe this will be the first time in the history of the New York Jets that they beat the Philadelphia Eagles. One can, one can only dream, can he? Kid can have a dream. So thank you guys for joining me for this week's Jet Press Podcast. Justin Free will be back very soon. I, I've had a very good time flying solo with you guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the Jet Press. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We're on all those sites and YouTube and TikTok, both of which are at the Jet Press. Make sure you subscribe and follow there. Make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll stream again after the Eagles game. We'll be on another live stream, and we'll be back next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Until then, I've been Mike Luciano. See you folks next week.